Welcome, everyone. I'm Marilyn Stern, Middle East Forum Board Member, serving as Chair. Today, briefing us on our topic, Iraq's Uncertain Future, we're honored to welcome Dr. Amatsia Baram, Professor Emeritus at the Department of the History of the Middle East and Director of the Center for Iraq Studies at the University of Haifa, Israel. An expert on Iraq, its culture, and politics, Professor Baram has served as resident fellow at a number of prestigious international research institutions, an advisor to the Israeli government, as well as to four U.S. administrations since 1986. Professor Baram authored the 2014 book, Saddam Hussein in Islam, 1968-2003, The Bath Party from Secularism to Faith. Given the recent stepped-up attacks by ISIS targeting Iraqi civilians, it's particularly timely that we'll hear from Professor Baram on this 100th anniversary of the Sykes-Picot Agreement, which shaped the boundaries of Iraq and Syria. Professor Baram? Yes, I'm here, Marilyn. Yes, please go ahead with your comments. Okay, I'll try to uh, speak for about 10 minutes. Uh, under the worst of circumstances will be 12. Oh, that's fine. Um, uh, the, the situation I see in Iraq now is not easy, uh, to put things very mildly. Uh, and as uh, Marilyn mentioned to me in a, in a message she, sa she sent, the uh, recent, um, uh, so to say, uh, conquest, if you wish, of the Green Zone uh, by uh, Muqtada Sadr and his people, uh, the, the, the peace movement, now they're called the peace movement, um, made things worse. Uh, I'd put, first of all, forward the things which are not so bad, about this uh, invasion of the, the storming of the green zone, and then I'll go and briefly say what uh, what is so very wrong, and this is only a symptom, of course. It's not the cause, it's a symptom. Well, what's not so bad is uh, that, first of all, uh, they evacuated the place after a few hours. Uh, second of all, there is no bloodshed at all. Nobody was, was killed. Uh, there's uh, a few wounded, but nothing serious. Um, uh, in addition, the um, slogans which uh, Muqtada Sadr's uh, guys uh, shouted, screamed in the, uh, in the House of Parliament were something like, Barra Barra, which means uh, Iran, go home. Which, you know, seen, seen from a body's point of view, even from an American point of view, is not a bad slogan. Uh, another slogan was uh, end to corruption, which a body is trying to do, but is failing, and certainly America would support it. But uh, maybe the best news so far is that there is no replacement for a body. Uh, it's a problem uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, it keeps him in power. And uh, I have to just say that Abadi is not a bad uh, prime minister. He's not a bad man. He's not he's not a dangerous man uh, to American and Western and, and civilizations' uh, interests at all. Uh, I don't I don't want to go into his personal history, but he he never spent time in Tehran with other Dawa people. He spent time in London. He's a part of the London Dawa. I met a few of them when I was there in 1990. It was fun to meet these guys. I thought they would kidnap me, but they didn't. They only wanted me to give them a bazooka, 
a million dollars and tell them exactly where Saddam is on the square inch and they'll kill Saddam for me, they said. So never mind. That's uh, the kind of guy. So in a, in a way, he's a suitable guy. But, and here are the bad news, he is sitting on a void. Um, first of all, by, the, by, by storming the parliament or the green zone, uh, Muqtada Sada, whether he meant it or not, uh, indicated that you can now do it. And someone else may decide to do it, someone much, much worse, somebody who would really do, do some serious damage. Uh, that's number one. This is very problematic. A part of that is that the Minister of, of uh, the Interior gave orders to the police to go home. The police just vanished. Same thing happened. They got an order uh, from the, the commander uh, to the Green Zone Guard, and they, they just vanished. The commander of the Green, Do Green Zone, uh, Green Zone uh, Force, uh, Protection Force, even <laughs> met Muqtada Sadr at the, at the entrance and, and, uh, and uh, kissed his hand. So uh, it shows that the Prime Minister doesn't really control anything much. Um, then uh, another thing, for the last couple of months, Sistani is quiet. He's silent. He's not supporting Abadi. He very much supported him when Abadi declared that he was going to um, uh, to uproot corruption and to appoint a government of quote-unquote experts, which most people in Iraq were very hopeful to see happening, and uh, Sistani supported it wholeheartedly. For the last two months, Sistani is, is, is silent. He's not even going to Friday prayers, which he used to go, and which in a way can support the prime minister, whoever it is at the time. But he's not going there either. So that's a problem. He, he lost, uh, Abadi lost uh, Sistani. Uh, Abadi lost the people. The, the majority of the Iraqis supported his reform, anti-corruption reform. And then he was unable to carry it out because of internal forces, especially other Shi'i politicians and uh, militia commanders who said no. So... Uh, that's a problem. Um, uh, the, the military is, yes, the military is obeying Abadi, but the military is now in the front. They are south of Mosul, they are in heat, they are around Fallujah, they are now uh, deployed uh, towards the Jordanian uh, border to, to uh, Rutba to take the area there. They are very busy everywhere, and they are not yet ready for, for heavy confrontations, so he cannot use them to impose his, his uh, rule either. Uh, the, um, the division within the Shi'i uh, hardcore of the regime uh, is, uh, is bad. Uh, you have the most important uh, examples are that the Badr Brigade uh, is uh, controlling West Baghdad, Asaib al-Haq who are both Badr and the Asaib are very, very strongly pro-Iranian. They are on East Baghdad. And uh, Saraya al-Salam, the, the troops of peace, so to say, Muqtada Sadr's guys, they are in complete control, of course, of Sadr city. But the, even Baghdad is split uh, among three. Uh, the police is all over the place, yes, but they only work there because they are allowed to do that by the by the various uh, factions. 
and, 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 and uh, well, uh, yeah, military factions. So you have that problem too. I would say that the most depressing thing is that those who resolved the crisis that Muqtada Sadr in, um, uh, launched uh, were no others than the Iranians. They told him, take you guys out of the green zone immediately and you show up here in Tehran tomorrow. And he flew on the same evening he flew, he flew to Tehran. And they told him, cool down. So the Americans have, I would say, close to zero, not zero, but close to zero influence as to what is happening in Baghdad. They have more influence on what's happening on the battlefront with ISIS. That's a different story. They made serious mistakes recently. I don't know if you know why General Allen resigned, but it's really, I don't understand this at all, how Washington was trying to impose on him things he knew were wrong when it comes to fighting ISIS. But aside from that, they don't have any real clout in Baghdad today. Uh, the economic situation is, is very serious because of oil prices and the corruption. I'll just tell you this. You may not know that, but the information I have is that corruption alone between 2004, forget about 2003, once the Americans gave power to the Iraqis, between 2004 and today, the cor corruption alone cost Iraq $1 trillion. And that is something a body tried to fix and failed. Uh, so today, as, again, as far as I know, this can be not very accurate, but it's roughly okay, I think. Iraq has about uh, two months foreign currency to and the money. Let's put let's put it uh, clearly: the Iraqi dinar is is in a way depending on the dollar. Uh, but, but let's say we are talking in in money they can still pay their troops and militias and so on, which they pay, um, for, and, and, and import uh, whatever they need for about two months. After two months, they are running out of reserves. This is very, very serious. Uh, it's oil money, oil, oil prices going down, of course, as we know, and it's the corruption. Um, militarily, things are not going so bad. What Obama said about that is not, is not absolutely wrong. Uh, there are some achievements. Uh, Ramadi was taken, and the heat was taken uh, along the Euphrates. I mean, uh, but a lot of the Euphrates Valley is still in uh, ISIS hands, and Mosul is in ISIS hands. So it's going very, very slowly. It's like you are walking through honey. The military campaign. Uh, it's understandable, but at the same time, it's very slow, and it means that the military is busy out there, and they cannot be helpful to Abadi at, I mean, in Baghdad. Um, uh, Iran is stronger than before. It's inside, inside Iraq. The Kurds are going soon for a, a plebiscite about, yes, no independence. I, I'm not sure they'll declare independence, but I, I doubt it. Uh, but uh, the, the plebiscite itself is a problem for the Baghdad government because it, it is challenging Baghdad and Abadi personally. The Sunnis are not on board. The Sunnis are not on board. And here I'll say very briefly what I think should be done, what, what could be the best solution, even though I don't know how you can get from now, from here to there, but certainly the best reasonable solution. 
first of all, there will have to be some uh, uh, stopper uh, put on corruption. If a body doesn't manage to do anything, I don't think he's going to last very long. I can see somebody, a good man who can replace him, but he also will be sitting on the void. Second of all, a body must somehow uh, control the militias. Either send them home completely, which you won't be able to, or somehow keep them in the place so he can still run Baghdad and run, run Iraq, run Basra and so on. Right now, it's not good. Um, uh, I won't go into the options how he can do it. There are such options, but right now it's very difficult without the military that can help him to do it. Um, uh, the uh, the bargain. He needs to offer the Sunnis a bargain. You can conquer Mosul. It will take a year to take Mosul, maybe a little more than a year. I know well, let, forget it. I'll just say that uh, now uh, Abadi managed to do something very good. He managed to convince his government and all the important, all the personalities, and, uh, militias, commanders, and so on. He managed to convince them that the commander of the Mosul area, uh, the guy who will have to liberate Mosul, is no other than uh, a general, Juburi, uh, 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 that was a Saddam Hussein two-star general. He's an American citizen now. He he's a Mosul. He was born in Mosul, born and bred in Mosul. He. He ran Mosul. He was the governor of Mosul under General Petraeus. Uh, so General Juburi is now, again, Abadi managed to, to quiet, to, to just shut up everybody who was against it, and now he's the commander of the Mosul area. He's an excellent general. He's a very professional general. Of course, he's a Sunni. And uh, he can win some, uh, some um, I don't know, some trust with the Mosul people, because there are now 99% of Mosul people, million people, are Sunnis. So they need to trust him, and they will trust him. But what Abadi needs to do is to get more tribes, uh, Sunni tribes, to join the fight against ISIS. The way uh, that uh, the Americans managed to get the tribes to do it against Al-Qaeda between 2006 and 2009, and it, it was the awakening, um, and it, it worked very well then. Now it has to work too, but in order for it to work, you need to give the Sunnis certain things. The most important thing is changing the debasification laws, uh, 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 allowing uh, the Sunnis to, to establish their own national guard, like the Peshmerga with the Kurds, not as strong as a military, as a nation, nation's military, but still to give them a sense of, of security. And, of course, uh, they demand autonomy. That's a matter of, 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 uh, of negotiations, what autonomy means. But he needs to be able to do it. If not, then most tribes are still sitting, uh, sitting most tribes are still sitting on the fence or even sort of helping uh, ISIS. He needs to he needs to approach the sheikhs. Uh, some of them are in Amman, some of them are in the Gulf, and some of them are actually in in uh, Anbar. So basically, this is a huge, uh, heavy weight lifting which he needs to do because there is objection on the part of the Sunni, of the Shi'is and objection on the part of uh, of the Iranians. Uh, already, some tribes like. Uh, 
Albu Nimr, Albu Risha, Albu Mahal, already joined Baghdad in fighting ISIS, and I know why each one of them did, but uh, I know the leaders. But the point is, they need much more, much, much more. Um, that's basically, and then even when, and then when the Mosul is liberated, you don't have uh, a lot of, uh, or even much, presence of uh, secret cells of ISIS still hiding in the population the way it happened after 2009. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the question and answer period will now begin, and we invite your participation. Please note that when there are no questions in the queue, the moderator will ask a question. To join the question and answer session queue, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you wish to identify yourself when your line has been unmuted, please do so. Please remember, if you have your phone on mute, take it off mute when you are selected to ask your question. Again, to join the question and answer session queue, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. We will take our first question. Caller, please begin when you hear that your line is unmuted. This is Larry Gould. You indicated that it's unlikely that the Kurds will accomplish independence, which involves not only a portion of Iraq, but also Syria. And yet they are doing much of the fighting. What is the future for the Kurdish people if they won't have any independence? Well, uh, the simple answer is that uh, even an ex-prime minister of the Kurdish uh, area, of the, the KRG, uh, told me, Amatia, uh, we shall never give up the dream of independence, but there is no hurry. Um, uh, he, I'd say that uh, Barazani, uh, Masoud Barazani, the leader of the KDP, the stronger party in, uh, in Kurdistan, uh, said we are going to have a plebiscite, yes, but uh, the plebiscite will be only to understand people's intentions and it's not binding politically. So the Kurds have a problem here. The change in their favor is that Turkey no longer really objects to, object to a Kurdish independent state in Iraq, only in Iraq. Uh, there, are, there are reasons why, why Erdogan no longer really... I, I would put his position as a yellow light. It's not red, it's not green, it's yellow. The Kurds, Kurds could take advantage of it. But he knows, and that's why he's no longer objecting to it so, so fiercely, or not at all, and the Kurds understand it, that that means that they will be absolutely uh, dependent on Turkey, 100%. And that is not really independence. The Iranians will be very unhappy. Uh, Bashar Assad, nobody, gives, um, nobody cares about him very much, but Baghdad will be very unhappy. And America, it's doubtful that America, even if it is uh, either it's a democratic or a Democrat or Republican uh, as president, I, America will be very hesitant to offer them, to, to support independence. And so that's why the Kurdish leadership, while the people really want to defend it, independence, the Kurdish leadership in Iraq is a bit hesitant, more than a bit. 
in Syria, I, it's different. Syria already declared autonomy. The Syrian Kurds are autonomous de facto, and in their own eyes, they jure too, but not independence. And of course, the Kurds of Turkey, the Kurds of Syria, have a problem with Erdogan, which, of course, Barazani in Iraq doesn't have. Uh, so the Kurds of Turkey will become the Kurds of uh, sorry Syria will become uh, somehow autonomous in the future Syria. I believe this will be the case. But they are not on good terms with Barazani and with the Iraqi Kurds, or most of the Iraqi Kurds. So I don't see a big. Kurdish state yet uh, coming into, into uh, uh, being. But the most important thing is that uh, if they declare independence soon, that will be a blow to our body, another blow to our body. Uh, and as a result, also I would say to them, and actually I'm saying to them whenever they're calling me, what should we do? And they do sometimes. It's funny. Not that I should tell them what to do. You know, it was like Ben Gurion asking a professor in, in in London, what should I do? It's ridiculous. But whatever the case, uh, I feel that uh, this is premature, and they shouldn't jump the gun. And uh, it seems to me that the leadership there, Barazani and the PUK, the Talabani camp. Tarabani is very ill, but his camp is very much alive. I'm not in a hurry to do it. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, oh, we do have a question. One second. Caller, please go ahead when you hear that your line is unmuted. Thank you, uh, Professor Baram, for your presentation. Uh, my question has to do with a comment you made a few minutes ago that the price of oil has gone down. Uh, more recently, the price of oil has rebounded actually quite handsomely. I believe it's in the uh, $48 a barrel today, which is up uh, a few dollars or a few percent uh, from uh, from the close on Friday. Um, what uh, effect will the rebound in oil price of oil have on uh, on Iraq, uh, in particular on the um, urgency to uh, introduce reforms or uh, uh, to try to clean up the corruption in uh, in Baghdad, perhaps the pressure would be taken off to do that somewhat, and ha and would it affect the reserves that are currently uh, just at two months, the foreign reserves? Yes, uh, that's uh, again a very important question, and the, the answer is first of all, in order to have things balanced, the the uh, Iraqi government needs a barrel of oil to be around sixty-five dollars. So. It's not that what you said is unimportant. It's hugely important, but it doesn't really solve the problem. And uh, they'll still be, be uh, you know, in a bind, in a serious financial bind. Uh, so the need for doing away with corruption will not disappear. It's more than that. The people, uh, I'll, go, I'll put it this way, 5% of the population of Iraq have benefited tremendously from corruption, tremendously. They became b big millionaires, some billionaires. But 95% of the population is suffering, and uh, the infrastructure is, is, uh, is uh, neglected, and everybody knows why this is the case, even before the, uh, the oil prices collapsed. Now, uh, until oil prices go back to $100 a, a barrel or to 90%, you still won't have real, real reserves. 
you will they'll, they'll eat up their reserves all the time, so not much can be accumulated. So what you said certainly improves the situation. But I think that uh, a body is unable to do it because there are so many interests involved that benefit from the corruption. And they are in, in control of so many troops, let's put it this way, that political troops and real troops, that he simply couldn't do it. And Sistani did everything he could to support him, and he didn't manage to do it. So I, as I see it right now, uh, the Iraqis will still have to, the Iraqi government, hopefully together with the Sunnis, will have to, do, to, to, to kick uh, ISIS out of Iraq. Mosul and uh, the whole Euphrates value, Valley all the way to the Syrian border, and the, border, the, the road to Jordan. Once they do that, and the army will be much, more, much better trained and, and will have a lot of self-confidence again, then if Abadi is still prime minister, he can use them in order to have a monopoly on coercion or a monopoly on, on military power in Iraq. And then he will be able to deal with the militias. But right now, and then also with his uh, uh, enemies in, in the politics, right now I don't see it happening. Uh, but I, I'm pessimistic about the timetable. I'm sure this will happen uh, if Abadi is still in power. But but timetable, as I said, Mosul. I I I'm also I, some, I, I'm not a general. I'm only a lieutenant colonel in the Israeli reserve. But I served in the military intelligence for 13 years, and then I analyzed the Iraqi forces and the military and so on. It was part of what I did, and I can tell you, in my experience at least, what is happening now. It will take a year to take Mosul. And the general I, I discussed, General Juburi, uh, he is such a professional guy. And he gave a little interview to CNN, I think it was, and he said uh, about Mosul, yes, we should liberate Mosul, but we need, first of all, to prepare it properly, namely we need time. So a year from now, everything is so unpredictable. I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, the improvement in oil prices is very, very important to make a body's position stronger. At least that it can do. Thank you. We are going to be concluding our conference call. We'd like to thank our participants for calling in. This concludes our conference call.